Report. Everything's status quo, sir. Very well. If um, anyone needs me, I'll be in my ready room. longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast. Every week, we're bringing you behind-the-scenes stories of every episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, told to you by people who were behind those scenes. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount. With me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs, former Head of Resources Management. Brandon, how are we doing today? You know, Mitch, uh, before I answer that question, I have to bring up um, a complaint that we got. Okay. Uh, last week and and that was that um our, our previous episode was too low test too low test it was low test now where did you feel that complaint uh that was sent directly to my personal gmail oh geez what mm-hmm. was what was our latest episode at the time it was a. Uh... no it was it was last week's what happened last week what happened that was so low test no, no, what happened in Star Trek last week? Um, last week was the episode... You, you finished DS9. Yeah, I did finish that, DS9. That happened. Yeah, and that's why I can't remember last week's TNG. That might be why it was so low test. Oh, because DS9? Yeah, because you finished DS9. Robbed me of my test? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, they do refer to Deep Space Nine as a, as a test vacuum. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do, yeah, they do. So I can't can't avoid responsibility on this one. I genuinely don't remember what last week's episode was. Kind of upsetting, how uh, you know how the Alzheimer's is setting in for both. Of okay, us. no, there was there was lol. No, last then week. there was no. I know, I know. Okay. I'm working through it. There was lol. Then there was what? What was after lol? Wasn't last week's after lol? No, I thought LOL, no, LOL was like three weeks ago. That was The Offspring. Oh, no, you, no, you're right, yeah. Yeah, so The Offspring then... This was Whatever. Alliance? Allegiance? The one where they're yes. trapped in a room! Yes, yes, that's right, that's right, yes. Yes, good that's god. It. I, I uh, thought about the title and that's what got me. I, I, would, I would argue in that case that that episode was too low test. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it did focus no, on no one got on, killed on Jean Luc Picard. No one had sex, uh, which you know is remedied in this week's episode for sure. Yeah, this week's episode fucks. Yeah, it fucks. It fucks. It fucks. It fucks. It's fucky. I I had a news item to bring up earlier, and I forgot what it was because we spent two hours waiting for a coffee. Yeah, um, we uh had some we we. Some people had some technical difficulties with transporting a cup from one location to another. Um, and I'll so, in lieu of that, I I will bring up um, Horaloo, Amber Heard, um, Amber Lamps. Oh, <laughs> that's how black people say ambulance. Well, do you remember that video from like fifteen years ago? Yeah, vaguely. Like uh, that old white guy 
punching some black guy on on the on a bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and they call the amber lamps. Call the amber lamps. Yeah. Do you remember that one video? I may be remembering this wrong. I have like I have like a raised like something on my hand that itches really bad. Is it your knuckle? No, no, it's on my palm. Oh, I see. Um, it's like it's like a it's it's like a pimple, but not. It's like tiny and it's raised. Is hair growing there? Because you know what they say. No. It's really itchy. What the hell? Did something bite me? Um, Whatever. Is this your idea of um, riveting podcast content? um there was this video of some guy knocking out another guy on the street and someone said like oh someone get him some milk oh yeah he needs some milk (laughs) (laughs) now did they end up pouring milk on him (laughs) well it's good for the bones which i imagine was the the motivation for this now i think they gave it to him you know intravenously uh-huh uh-huh I, I'm, I'm i'm looking it up right now okay did he in fact get some milk uh wait no this is the wrong one no this this isn't what i was thinking of i remember one of them was like uh it's like a like a guy on a bicycle or something falling over there's a there's a guy like jumping around uh, the trunk of a car and he just falls over. Oh god! But that, that's that's not it. That's not it. No, th- this was like a guy knocking another guy out, and I swear to God, they like pour milk on him or something. So many people need milk. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Not beleaguer the uh, the point here. Um, I was about to bring up something with you? as well. I completely forgot what I was driving at mm-hmm. well i finished is, Deep is Space this your Nine. idea of riveting podcast content <laughs> oh he's so offended <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you about deep space nine. Oh, you've already told me and i'll tell you again um it's pretty good uh the i think deep space nine similar to tng kind of peters out in its final season but mm. instead of a finale it has a concluding story arc that spans about 10 episodes what what is with with this this series penchant for introducing so many characters named peter it's um it borders on on a fetish it's so specific but the final concluding story arc is pretty good so i'd say the series ends on a high note this is the 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 chuds I'm sorry? The, ch- the Krill? The, the, the Dominion. Oh, the Dominion, okay. Yeah, who are uh, as many races in the, the Dominion. Little, little yellow fellows. No, there's no yellow guys. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Oh, you. Anyway. But yeah, okay, the, the Dominion, yeah. What I liked about Deep Space Nine is that yeah, the Dominion is the primary antagonist, but there's um, there's one guy that kind of wavers between uh, antagonist and um, and uh, I don't know anti-hero at times, mm. and the series sets up and delivers a satisfying, uh, uh, mostly satisfying confrontation between him and Cisco at the very end, mm. which 
Trek doesn't usually have that. Um, yeah, like a personal. Yeah. I, I feel like we, we made this complaint in TNG a few episodes ago. Certainly. Because it's very relevant there. There's never that feeling of um, that the antagonists are actual characters. Yeah. They're just pretty cool. evil guy. Yeah. Are you eating? You know I get a scone delivered alongside my coffee. Jesus Christ. If you ever watch Deep Space Nine, pay it, which is, you know, a... Uh, how do I say this? A, um, an unlikely possibility at best. Pay attention to Gull Dukat. Very, very good character. Oh, yeah. No, I, uh... He gets, he gets um, as they say, shit posted quite a bit, so... Does he? Yeah. How so? Yeah, I mean, lots of quotes from him and stuff. People post his image alongside something in all caps. Eh. What's weird is, um... In the final story arc, for one reason or another, he gets surgery to, you know, appear as a Bajoran. They do this a lot in Star Trek. Characters wearing Klingon face or whatever. Yep. And in the final confrontation, seemingly for no reason, in the, in the span of an instant, he's reverted back to being a Cardassian. Presumably nice. just so fans could see uh, the Cardassian Dukat. Uh, fighting Cisco. Right, right. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, because as as we know, when, when you when you have such dramatic surgery, that you're you're changing the you know the the fundamental fundamental physical being of yourself, uh, you you can't easily change back. Right. It's. It's particularly with Cardassians. I don't know if you remember their visual design, but they have these... Um, they got, like, the ridges. Yeah, these ridges from their shoulders up their neck that are that yeah. have, like, this webbing there. It's a pretty substantial part of their physiology, it would seem. And that just is gone, and then it comes back. You know? It's like if somebody <laughs> carved out a piece of your of your rib cage and then just slapped it back in there. Maybe, maybe they grafted it from his forearm. Maybe. <laughs> anyway i think i've told you this before too uh, sometimes when i'm in the shower and i you know pretend to beatbox i'll i'll say gold ducat rhythmically like gold mm -hmm. ducat gold ducat there you go there yeah. you go it works have you seen these uh these pictures of natalie portman no the uh you know she's thor now right how does that work i thought thor was that guy Oh yeah, Thor. Don't ask. I don't really care. But, um, but she was they're, in they're, the Thor movies. Yes, yeah, she was Thor's girlfriend, and now she's Thor. Ah, but uh, th my whole point in bringing it up is uh, people are photoshopping her to make her look like she's like buffer than she is, and then you know being like, "Wow, Natalie Portman's such a badass." <laughs> okay, sounds sufficiently ridiculous. It is. It is. Uh, I mean, describing it doesn't really do it justice, but you, you, you know what I mean. It's like it's like those those social media like uh, shill campaigns, hmm. right? Yeah. Now, doesn't female Thor say to Thor at some point, 
Calm thine tits. Yeah, in the comics. Right. Do you think and, they'll um, they'll take that who, scene? <laughs> who re- who replied to to Zelda Williams with that? That was that was Dobson. Dobson, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe this was in response to her reaction to her father's death. Yes, it was. <laughs> Which is um, amazing. I could I I I don't even know. Well, it's amazing to me how um. People still have not had their appetites whetted for Marvel. You know, they still want more. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, it's easy to think that um, if they could, and they definitely would make these in perpetuity, but um, there will be a time where the market no longer wants it. I saw a video the other day. You may have seen this on Twitter um, of a guy... Who he was on he was he was on a video and he was he was saying you know I I want to see a, a story about the little guy in the Marvel universe you know I want to see a story about uh like a a Christian questioning his religion uh now that like Thor exists or whatever okay and he's like he's like you know Disney could could hire like a visionary indie movie producer and give him the budget to make a movie and set it in the Marvel universe. And it's just the most dystopian thing I've ever heard in my life. How so? Because he basically he's arguing, let's, let's have Disney fund these art house movies, but they have to be set in the MCU. So I, I do think that a compelling movie could be made with that. It could be, but it shouldn't be. No. The MCU has already cannibalized this market. Right. So basically what he's asking for is for Disney to make every single movie in the MCU. In the world. Yeah. I mean in, No, in the, in the world. Right. Like that's it. And <laughs> you could like if you take that premise specifically, right? It's so agnostic of the actual specifics of the Marvel universe that it's probably just better done with um you know, yeah. a, a original random superhero that might play to the the um uh concept better you know? I, I saw someone i saw someone say something like that and then they were like yeah but you know then then you have to establish a world where these superheroes exist it's so much better if and it's like that's what movies used to do you used to go to a movie and it establishes itself <laughs> you don't need fucking 20 movies of of convincing uh, that this th- these characters exist in their own universe. Okay, imagine this. A new movie's coming out, and everybody wants to see it, right? It's it's like exciting and whatever. It it, it gets the mm-hmm. public appeal. And some guys like, wow, I really want to see this. What do I have to watch first? <laughs> well, one hundred percent, that happens. That's like like consumers are used to that now, and it's you know not not to be like the the anti fun guy or whatever, but it's don't don't do it. I um, didn't say anything. You were going to. I was taking a drink of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> oh, why are you anti mushroom? <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. That didn't even cross my mind, but you, you, you're it would have. You're seeing ghouls where there are none. <laughs> You are a ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, you were saying? 
But I, I don't know. I, my entire point is just that it's it's just really stupid. It's just a really stupid idea. It's, it's, it's really funny to me. It is. I don't necessarily even see the appeal of um of a of a cinematic universe conceptually um why i think it's cool i don't think the movies and i say this having seen none of them <laughs> i don't think the movies mm-hmm. are all that enriched by um taking place in the same universe as something else if anything to me it it robs it sounds like it could rob some of the stories because you would always need anytime there's a um a conflict you would have to answer the question of why can't why can't thor come and do this why uh why isn't well yeah and, and that's the, that's the i think that's mainly a problem with the framework that you know children's superheroes operate within you can have a shared universe made by a a much more creative person that mm. you don't even need to ask those questions of because sure. it's not even a thing that comes up um you know there's plenty of shared universes in other media like books mm. where this question never really arises again because it's it doesn't need to be asked. Sure, uh, it's, it's just it's just a matter of like how the way Marvel operates is that you know your setting is New York City and every every independent movie you're just dropping another hero into New York City and then and then the the crossover movies are just all the heroes fighting in New York City. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's it's just bereft of of any kind of creativity from the get go. That's the problem. Certainly Marvel is not a creative force um, in many ways, but it, to me, a good story is going to be self-contained. And Sure, yeah. And let's say that you string a bunch of self-contained stories together and in, into whatever universe you want to make, and it's it's sensical, and you, you don't, there's no, no nagging questions that come up. Aside from just feeling like oh i see it's the same universe that's kind of neat like what what other value is there yeah that's exactly what the value is though i mean if if you do it right obviously the narrative of the immediate product the the immediate story comes first uh and and crossovers in general are pretty stupid to be right. those those are um complete fan service right. Ima- no matter what you do imagine but, this imagine this imagine tomorrow no, wait 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 Let, yeah yeah okay david lynch tweets out that um, Eraserhead, The Elephant Man, and Twin Peaks all take place in the same universe. Sure. And you're, those those are all three self-contained, siloed stories. And mm-hmm. they're all in the same universe. And what... I don't think it... I mean, these weren't written that way. Maybe this is a bad That's example. The, you're but... playing it... Re- yes, it is a terrible example. You're playing it retroactively. The thing is, yeah. like... If if the thing is create it's a terrible good example. <laughs> if if you if you want to set it in a shared universe, create good narratives. That set it, it like uh, on the backdrop of this shared universe. Hmm. And yeah, it, it is it is nice to be able to see like okay, you know this connects to this somehow. But I mean, obviously, don't make it don't make it in your face fan service type stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Don't don't it's smash like, um, action figures together. That's basically it. Shared universes can be very cool if if it's something that you sit there and you kind of have to discover for yourself. It's not the main point of a work, mm. but it's set on the backdrop of a universe that you you maybe know or familiar with. I mean, again, books I think do this very well. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is additive in nature rather than yeah. uh, detracting anything. It only really detracts once you let that self-contained aspect of it get away. 
but right it, 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 it detracts when the shared universe is the point right right so and uh, and that's that's what marvel is yeah <laughs> so. marvel, marvel is oh i have to watch the netflix series so i can understand the latest movie that came out which has a um, the fate of this one character will be answered in uh well you know it's it's else. insane you have to watch you have to watch like wandavision loki spider the new spider-man to be able to understand the new fucking sam raimi movie sam raimi like what really? is the new sam raimi is that a, is that a marvel uh, that's doctor strange yeah okay yeah yeah and all of those prerequisites likely have prerequisites of their own it's so yeah insane. well yeah they have prerequisites yeah so for spider-man you have to watch every single sony spider-man movie you have to watch every Disney Spider-Man movie. I mean, shit, for the new Sam Raimi movie, you're, you're, it probably expects you to watch all the old X-Men movies, too. I don't... I can't even begin to imagine how that could be. But, sure, why not? I mean, it's it's unassailable. Is, uh, Patrick Stewart's is. in it. Patrick Stewart's in the new Sam Raimi movies, Professor X again. What? Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's there to, to shut up another franchise. Uh, it was geriatric acting. At least, at least, um, the the need for for a wheelchair will be realistic this time. <laughs> we, we won't have to watch him pretend to do action scenes. <laughs> Good lord! I yeah, it's. I mean, obviously for um a company, it's great. It's like oh, I, I by releasing one movie, I I am soft selling tickets to five other movies that mm-hmm. that came out before it. Like that's great, um, but yeah, it's in, it's entirely artless. There was a point where these films were, where you could watch these films and be like, okay, they're they're popcorn flicks, but they're different enough, right? To be like, okay, yeah, sure, why not? But at some point in the past five, six, seven years, I feel like that every single one of them has just become the same exact thing. Unless you get into cosmic stuff like James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy, that was okay. And um, I think there was one other one that was all right, but uh, I'll say overall, this, it's just the same garbage. I like the idea of what it started as, as all mm. these superhero movies linking together to make the Avengers movie. Yeah. Um, that's fine, because you, if you want to make the Avengers movie anything but an origin story you you you, um you have a lot of introductions to do and and it's economic to take care of that in a in another movie but beyond that where it's just oh uh, dr strange's chinese assistant hung out with (laughs) spider-man for a bit (laughs) (laughs) or or whatever it's like who gives a shit <laughs> so so I, I have a couple of points there. First point is yes, you're right. It it does reach into the just the, like the cesspools of fandom where your entire personality is knowing stupid shit like that, um, and and these these products are created just so you can say, hey, did you know, <laughs> Doctor Strange's Chinese assistant? Oh, um, yeah, Spider Man <laughs> grabs Spider Man's bulge in in minute fifty seven of the fiftieth Defenders movie or whatever. But um, you're right in that, like, it did start off. The the thing is, it's it's still really cool. Like, it's 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 an amazing feat of not filmmaking, if not filmmaking per se, not even writing per se. But I guess just 
vision production yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean the the idea of like never before on such a budget has has a shared universe existed and the scale is shared, very large the scale is it's very interesting to me and it still is interesting that it's, it they were able to do this even even when you have a scale of something like godzilla which is also a shared universe um it's never consistent mm. but that's that's also its strength because it's like the the thing about the thing about the MCU is that it's it's interesting because it kind of mirrors the comics, where yeah, uh, I would say that all, is all a these things trait of it interact with each other, and but the but the where it doesn't mirror the comics, and maybe it mirrors contemporary comics, but not not the 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 stuff that the films are actually drawing from. Hmm. Where it doesn't mirror the comics is that Disney has an iron fist, and you know they'll hire uh, almost auteurs sometimes. I mean, Sam Raimi, James Gunn, um, and you know the studio will basically make the movie for the director, and and it, the director's just a name attached to it. Whereas in the comics, you know, you have people like Grant Morrison, who whose style you can immediately tell, you know. So it's like if if they let these directors actually do something. Hmm. maybe you would have something worth watching but as it is now obviously it's just a sanitized product and i i, I mean we're not really saying anything new here but I, I um i guess i guess we've never talked about the mcu before no for good reason but i yeah. i, I want to know if there's a toppling point within the fans the fandom where not that they get tired of it but it becomes impossible for them to keep their knowledge straight right like where they they can't place where certain events happened in what show or or movie because it all well we're getting there together we'll get we're getting there because we're we're going into like multiverse stuff like the comics oh, did like Lord. very quickly uh like you know like dc's crisis on infinite earth type stuff which happened you know decades ago at this point it's like uh now now you have five million characters named the flash and, uh, and they're all fast but, but but that could be a good thing because again it's like it, like these movies would be so much better if directors could just do what they wanted and it's so much easier for them to do what they want if if you know Disney could say okay that was canon in like universe 572 or whatever yeah the less beholden they are to the to the machine um the better which but is why DC should be doing better than it is because they actually seem to let their directors do things I don't know but, what it is, but I, I do you think the the character roster of DC is less interesting? I I so with no they're less colorful for sure. With no horse in this race, having seen zero Marvel or DC films, at least since the whole superhero craze began, um, I can say that the DC productions look less interesting to me. Um, yeah, across the board. Um, no, they 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 absolutely they're they're boring. Um, Snyder's stuff is Snyder's stuff is comical. Uh, it's Snyder's stuff is so bad it's good. Um, except honestly, I really enjoyed his Justice League, his four and a half hour Justice League. I thought that was actually probably the best superhero thing he's ever done. Um, which is is a low bar. Now, how does but that? It's it's does, actually good. How does that stack up to Age of Ultron? I never watched Age of Ultron, so. Uh, me neither, but 
Um, I knew that was an Avengers movie. There's that uh, was an Avengers. That Avengers, was that was a Joss Whedon joint. Age of Ultron. Oh, you mean the Sex Pest? And um, yeah, yeah, the Sex Pest. What was right. the What was the other one? Endgame. Yes. Yeah. Endgame. Yeah. Now that's different from Civil War, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I remember this correctly, Civil War was a Captain America joint. That's Captain America. Yeah. I have no <laughs> <Joint>. idea. <laughs> we need to keep saying the word joint. I have no idea how they draw this distinction because it seemed like everybody was in that movie, but no, it's um, it's a Captain well, that, America. That was movie. where the line started being blurred, and any could just be in any movie. Right. Right. I yeah. will say Iron Man two, Scarlett Johansson was probably her peak. ScarJo. ScarJo. Now here's a question: Do you think that um, Edward Norton wakes up in tears every so often, thinking about how he was once the Incredible <laughs> Hulk? <laughs> And how he's missing out on this Marvel money? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he wakes up in tears per se, but that was a really stupid move on his part. Yeah. Was, but hmm? he has artistic integrity, I guess. You know, he which does seem to. I mean, I don't know how you um how how you star <laughs> in American History X without without any artistic integrity. I mean, because because that was the issue, right? That was basically the issue is that he like he wanted some kind of creative control over it. Yeah, God forbid. Instead, which that, I understand. Instead, this doesn't Hulk just like stay green all the time now? Isn't I? I no, saw... that was temporary. That was that was uh, that was like uh, an adaptation of the Professor Hulk stuff, where they kind of okay the personalities merge, and he just he's just he's green big, all the time, big green man. Yeah, but I think that yeah that that ended. Okay. And they went back to Bruce Banner, uh, played by. But that, that is Banner. that is the thing. That is the thing about about Marvel is that hey, we were talking about like oh is the roster better in DC or Marvel or whatever. But it's like Marvel is just a bunch of guys with colorful superpowers. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think DC has that, but it also has a little more nuance to it when a good writer has has their hands on it. Mm. I don't think Marvel has that nuance, except with Spider-Man. Like they, they have Spider-Man, and that's it. The rest are, you know, you have you have your gods. Which, to be fair, DC has gods made by pretty much the same exact writer. Um, but th- there, there's more of the uh, the sort of everyman feel to to their characters. Which which one has Galactus? You know Galactus. That's DC, I believe. I have a Galactus story. You want to hear it? Yeah, sure. I heard this story. No, that's Marvel. I'm sorry. That's Marvel. (laughs) Son of a bitch. So there's a Galactus story. Uh, At some point, they were making what I guess it was a Marvel trading card game. Mm. And Galactus was featured on one of the cards. And the idea was that Galactus would... Because he's like a big guy, right? He eats planets. Yeah, I mean, for you. Yeah. Yeah. And he would, like, the the card would show him arriving on Earth, and he's so big he blocks out the sun. So there's, like, Mm -hmm. shadows, you know, everywhere. And they they were making this game, and they send an art description to the artist. You know, this is what I want you to draw. Uh, Galactus arrives on Earth, he's so big he blocks out the sun. (laughs) And the art they got back was Galactus, like, holding his hand up. In, in front of the sun, like squinting. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> Galactus blocks out the sun. <laughs> That's amazing. Are, are there images of this? I don't know. I only heard the story. I don't think That's so. That's so funny. Because they, they like got him to redraw it. Yeah, so. obviously they wouldn't have released it. That's so funny. I want to see that so bad. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought I thought he was like big enough to eat planets or something. Yeah, that's that's his thing. He's now I, I don't really know the daily life of Galactus if he just floats through space, eating planets, like like uh like Bender in that Futurama episode. Yeah, just larger, large enough to eat planets. And yeah. if he does it in like one 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 bite, or if he takes his time with the planet. He, he yeah he enjoys it. He gets his little fork and knife out. And... Now I don't. I also don't know if it's more metaphorical if he depletes it of its natural resources and and he's quote unquote eaten it, or if he just like opens up his mouth really wide and it just drips in there. He unhinges it like a snake. Yeah. <laughs> Snakes unhinging their jaws has um, no end of comedic value. <laughs> I mean, it's a funny visual just inherently. Yeah, and especially applied to other things, such as Galactus, eater of worlds. Right, right. Blocks out the sun. Like a like a like a white woman. Right. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. So this week's question of the week uh, comes from Jim Davis in Arlen, who says, "Admirals, what is your favorite newspaper comic? Thank you mm. for making the show we all know and love." Jim Davis. Now this. Despite the connection of the name and his question, I don't think that this is the Jim Davis that wrote Garfield because he's dead. I was going to ask that question. Yeah. Um, but oddly fortuitous that there's another man named Jim Davis who is a big fan of newspaper comics. Hmm. Hmm. So, <clears throat> why don't we start by, by discussing what the worst one is first? <sighs> Family Circus. Yeah, that's, that's low-hanging, though. Okay. What's okay? Give, give me your most controversial. Like, what is what is a Sunday comic you hate that everyone else likes? Peanuts. Peanuts. That's fair. That's fair. I'm gonna say Calvin and Hobbes. That's a good one. Now, I I would say that I wouldn't dislike Calvin and Hobbes as much if um its fan base didn't exist. It is a fan base thing. Yeah. Well, no. If the thing is, if it's if it's this is such a stupid statement, but if its fan base didn't exist, it wouldn't be as overblown as it is. <laughs> yeah, but I know what you mean. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's, the, your average person isn't, you know, it, it, they're, talking they're, they're not ear gobbling off up. about Gal Calvin and Hobbes. They're not Goblin Hobbes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, 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 it's this, this select, you know, percentage a bunch of the population. Of that well, yeah, it is suits, and it's people who don't even read these comics. They right. don't read Sunday comics. It's just like they, they they saw Calvin and Hobbes once and decided to buy every single Calvin and Hobbes book, and that's their personality. There's two types of Calvin and Hobbes fans. There's the there's the the sued with like Calvin and Hobbes sledding tattooed on his back, and then yep. then there's the guy with the pissing Calvin sticker on his truck. Yeah, no, and with the the don't tread on me flag kind of waving in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So okay. Now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about good comics. Um, Heathcliff. Heathcliff is great. Uh, it, terrifying. 
probably probably the most esoteric comic on the face of the earth um outside of that single cow tools strip i was about to bring up cow tools um the far side i like as well the far side's really good uh crazy cat is awesome i don't know crazy cat i have to yeah you should look that one up yeah now i can't just type in crazy cat into google because that will not oh it's it's two k's crazy cat oh maybe that's why he spelled it with a k yeah, it's because he knew Google would exist, yeah. and people would become obsessed with cats. <laughs> or maybe he uh, just really liked Mortal Kombat. Maybe. Alright, here's one. I'm going to describe this crazy cat strip to you. Um, there's a cat, presumably the titular crazy cat, who is uh, juggling while balancing a bunch of balls on his head and an upside-down chair on his tail. He's very involved mm. in these activities. There's, and watching him are a mouse and a cop, and the, ma- yeah. the, the mouse says, go away, cop, go away, let me think, as he looks frazzled. <laughs> I know exactly which one this is. How? How? Alright, hold on, here's another one. I'll, I'll describe the entirety of it to you once again. Um, there's a cat, presumably the titular crazy cat is just standing there with, um, he's looking dazed, Mm. like he can't focus. There's a heart drifting out of him. Maybe he Mm -hmm. saw something that he loves. Uh, Meanwhile, the mouse from before is throwing a brick at his head, and it hits. And then (laughs) the the cop is standing to the side of all this, and he says, transgression. Yep. (laughs) All right, one more, one more. perfect, isn't it? One more. Um, so there's the cat, he's sitting, and a brick comes out of nowhere and hits him. I can't see who threw it this time, but it's probably the mouse. And around this scene, it says, half a pow, as a sound effect, Mm -hmm. half a zip in the, the speed trail from the brick, and the cop who's there watching this says, half a brick. Nice. Nice. That is fucking... This is kind of awesome. It's, uh... It's different. It's good. It's good. Um... How about about, about a rapid fire round, yay or nay? Okay. I'm in. Uh, Dennis the Menace. Nay. Blondie. Yay. The Boondocks. Yay. Mother Goose and Grimm. Nay. Hagar the Horrible. Uh, uh, tepid nay. Wow. Wow, really? Uh, you know, it's 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 like a forty-five percenter. It's well, <laughs> almost at the positive half where you would round up. <laughs> Marmaduke. Oh, that's a nay. That's a big yeah. old nay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> There's a million I'm forgetting right now, but uh, Dilbert, though. Oh, that's a yay. That's a that's the perfect comic. Um, how about Garfield? That's a nay. That's a nay. And, and you know what? It's a nay, and it's a double nay for the post-ironic Garfield yeah. appreciation that has sprung yeah. up. Well, over the past I know 10 you years. and your your like that are that iCarly Zoomer that you watch. Yeah, that fat guy, <laughs> big fat yeah. guy. Yeah, with his Garfield obsession. Oh, my my personality's liking Garfield. Yeah, it's but not it, really. It's like like a 
like a 15 year old girl very transparently adopting something something quirky as, as their personality yeah yeah how about that pink cat that's just garfield but with like big dick sucking lips oh arlene you know what i mean is that what her name is yeah pulled yeah pulled that name from the annals of my mind the anals i i feel like garfield started off okay though you know what i mean nah, i feel like it was all right i mean yeah it's it was serviceable for uh you know for a newspaper comic which it which is what it was so that's <laughs> fine but um yeah did you read the the winnie the pooh comic you know i think i did funny as hell oh bother that might be one of my favorite i mean i i, I love pooh no matter what it never occurred to you that I shouldn't have said Win- that. <laughs> that Winnie the Pooh kind of is reminiscent of Mule. Kind of, I guess. Only in the way they speak. Yeah, I mean, yeah, one isn't as good-natured as the other, nor pitiable. Um. But on the other hand, Winnie the Pooh wouldn't buy me hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise. This is true. You ever see that Winnie the Pooh movie with, um, with, um... Ewan McGregor? Ewan McGregor. No, I've been meaning to. I watched it once on a, on a date. With a girl, of course, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was very awkward. Um, let me tell you this quick story. Um, I was on a date at my apartment. which is now that i think back on it kind of awkward phrasing but i didn't know this person that well and they're like let's watch a movie and so i'm like all right i don't really want to watch this but sure whatever and they take the opportunity to snuggle up and immediately immediately i knew that i was just not into this person and okay but i was stuck there for you know 90 minutes 100 what year did this come out god knows God knows. I, it wasn't recent. I'm, I'm sorry. The, wow. It wasn't recent to when that date happened. But anyway. So, so so you were stuck there about the same amount of time you'd be if you were watching 90 Minutes. Yes, exactly. Hmm. Or one and a half episodes of 60 Minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a miserable time. And whenever I think of that movie, I just think of... How do I phrase this? Have you ever been uh forcefully hugged or touched by somebody you want no part of and your body like tenses up you're asking if i've been sexually harassed yeah yes 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 i have (laughs) and and your body like tenses up out of instinct yeah 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 yeah, for sure (laughs) imagine a full body hold of that for for 90 minutes and just like 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 legs wrapped around you yeah kind of like a like a like a French press. Yeah. Oh oof. The the the, the person I'm imagining right now. Um definitely don't want that. So that's what I think of when I think of Winnie the Pooh. And oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I yeah, I'll get over it one day. But um Yeah. This one time I went to see Puss and Boots with a Chinese girl who didn't speak English, so I'm not sure why she wanted to go. How was she on pronouncing the title? <laughs> I, I think she just says she wanted to see the cat movie. Now, how do you wind up on a date with a Chinese individual that can't speak English? 
I, I, honestly, and this is going to sound like a cop out, but I don't remember. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's sorry. That's hilarious to me because I'm I'm picturing the post movie conversation. How'd you like it? And just instantly a complete communications breakdown combined. No, I mean it was it was a stupid idea. It was a stupid idea on my part to even to even entertain the the, the thought of going to a film with with someone who barely speaks English, and but, uh, compounded by um, it being a movie with Antonio Banderas as a speaking cat. <laughs> I saw Shrek three three or four on a mm. date. Mm-hmm. That was also a terrible experience. Yeah, I mean who. At this, I, at some point, you learn that a woman who wants to watch a Shrek film <laughs> or a Shrek adjacent film is just not worth your time. <laughs> and you know, um, you could you can even extend that to something like um, uh, Turning Red or Sing, Sing mm-hmm. Two, um, Sing Two, just complete streets. complete degenerates, um, baby women. You know, is what I call them. Yeah, well, if you're like Jim and you want us to answer your question of the week live on our show, send us an email at theReadyerRoom at gmail.com. It's with a capital T and two capital R's. Or you can tweet at us at theReadyerRoom and we'll answer your question. Now, 45 minutes into this podcast, it's time to talk about Star Trek, the next generation. We could talk more about Deep Space Nine instead if you want. No, that's okay. You sure? Mm-hmm. So this week we watched um, what 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 was the title of this? Captain's Holiday. Captain's Holiday. Captain's Holiday. And I, it didn't occur to me until I don't know several hours after watching this, I was in the bathroom, mm. and I was kind of getting my thoughts in line, and I realized I have no idea how I felt about this episode, like if I liked it or not. Um, yeah, uh, it's funny you say that, because I kind of feel the same way. Right. And I, I, the conclusion I reached was, well, if it didn't give me um, an explicitly negative feeling, then I probably liked it somewhat. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am, if, if we didn't have a podcast about this, then I would have watched this and been like, huh, it's okay. And not really thought anything more about it. Right. But I guess we, we need to kind of hash it out and figure out what was wrong with it. Um, most of the Enterprise crew didn't figure into the story is probably... Does that bother you? It doesn't bother me, but I think it creates the opportunity for it to be a little bland. Right? Because when you, mm. don't, when you don't use most of the characters that we like... Uh, the ones introduced for this story have to pull a lot more weight. Mm. And yeah, sure. They didn't really. Um, I guess there's really only one character that's that figures into the plot in a in a real way. Well, there's two. I mean, they, you know, you got Jennifer, who's is Vash, and you have Max as Sovak, and they're they both they're both acting very hard. Oh, but not as hard as the um, I don't know the waitress. I don't really know what to call her. One of the Risa girls that. Tells Picard about the one that his, sits down. Yeah, 
That was Joval, I think. Joval, I don't know. The absolute worst performance ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> it's terrible. It didn't offend me, it didn't offend me that much. Oh, I I wouldn't say Honestly. I'm offended, but I you know, it's it's very apparent, oh, you know, we hired and we did, but you know, we hired just models to look attractive on Ryza and one mm-hmm. of them had the talk. And um yeah. It's she she talks she she takes the affect of a um like of a robotic sex doll rather than mm. than a living thing that's speaking. Also, well, quick, I mean, it's true. It's true to Gene's vision, at least. Well, yes, it's true. But do you um you like the fact that people native to Ryza are look exactly like humans? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's 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 amazing. I mean. As a pleasure planet, of course they would. Right. No, it, it, wait, it, is is it pronounced Risa like like the alchemist, or um, is it Risa? Oh, you know, I think you're right. I believe it is Risa, but yeah, I I I've had my brain poisoned. I just mm. say Risa. Yeah. Which they're very deliberate on pronouncing it Risa, which to me is they unnatu- are, right? unnatural. It is Risa. Well, it's foreign, so it's you know from another planet, even. It is. It, it is. is. So yeah, it's, it's alien. It is alien. Such a fucking nothing inoffensive. It's a vanilla episode, right? It's just no. Yeah. No, no one's gonna be like, oh, I, this vanilla is so. It tastes so bad. Right. But right. It's 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 just it's another episode in in the very strange string of episodes that seem to be um, made to placate Patrick. Yeah. Right, yeah, where it's like, oh, we we gotta give we gotta give Picard some punching or fucking to do. Patrick sees Indiana Jones one time, yeah, and Captain's Holiday is born, right? And um, yeah, I mean that's that's what it is. I, the entire episode is leading up to is Picard going to fuck, right. and he does, and then Picard fucks. And, and, but but that's it. That's it. Like the 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 archaeological Indiana Jones type plot is not at all interesting no it, it not the least uh, of of its problems is the the deus ex machina aliens yeah which i thought would have been more um how do i describe this i thought they would have been more duplicitous with how this the well, story sets it up that's the interesting thing, though, is that we the, the one interesting thing about their presence is that we still don't know. They could be right. But like they like we don't know if they're telling the truth or if they're not. There's something about their presence in the episode or lack thereof that made it feel like they could have done something more with it. Mm. Not necessarily that, that we need to know. Are they telling the truth or are they not? Are they malicious? Or are they not? Because I like that ambiguity, but there's something missing there. You know what I hated about them? I hated how they called Their stupid makeup. Well, that, but I hated how they called attention to the nature of time travel. Um, Picard talking to Vash said, "I think she says oh, I wish we had more time together." And Picard says, mm. "Well, the time traveling aliens might go back <laughs> to the start of this, yes. and and we'll have these events play out again. Uh, not like that. That would be them. It's not implying that, but." The idea that once you acknowledge that that a time traveler can just 
run the loop again to try again at whatever their goal is, it becomes mm. literally impossible for them to fail, right? Because they, they, sure, yeah, they yeah. can just go back to the start, do everything the same, and then at the very end, uh, stop Picard from executing his plan. Which, and uh, it's it's funny because that was that was going to be even more explicit in like initially because this episode was going to end on exactly that, like it would have looped back around, mm. which, which is, is um, just a, completely ridiculous. <laughs> a fucking terrible. Um, that would be a terrible decision. Mm. Um, and like that's a logical conclusion to reach. That um, you know, even if they didn't say anything, somebody might think, "Oh, well, they're time travelers; they could go try it again." It's not that that's possible. That irks me. It's that once you call attention to it, it makes the whole, all of the events of the episode seem trivial. And it also totally. raises more questions because you don't you can assume that okay time the way time travel works in this universe maybe they they can't do that for whatever reason but no they can so literally every time travel story in track from here on out is just a lame duck because of the implications of this of this episode every reasonable person when they think about time travel has landed on the idea that like, just, just kind of come to this conclusion that time travel, the way it works is that when something, when you, when you travel back in the past and create a divergence, that's an alternate universe. Right. right? Um, so the idea that it presents here is that it's linear. Right. Until something changes and then it just, it stays linear, but everything changes, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense either. So I, I don't, I don't know pretty poorly thought out for for star trek and they could have just gotten rid of that line yeah what, what did that add to the episode it added nothing absolutely nothing who and i'm not gonna say like oh i hate this episode now because that's not true but mm. it, that did annoy me well, yeah there's some weird stuff going on yeah okay. um some just just to run down some some quick logistical stuff. Um, this was uh, Ira's first real episode that he wrote. He did more DS Nine work than he did TNG. He did barely any TNG, but this was uh, the first one that he did by himself. Um, this was directed first first direction first directed episode by um, uh, Chip Chalmers, which sounds like as a his name, name suggests is a, a cartoon character. <laughs> but uh what did you what did you think of what did you think of the direction oh there's this one shot uh it's it's a series of shots actually it's a it's a two-shot conversation close to the beginning between Riker and um troy where mm -hmm. both of them are it's way too close up and troy the close-up shot of her is out of focus and she's not she, she's not framed in in the right center of the shot, nor is yeah. she in any um, framed in an aesthetically pleasing way. And she's out of focus, and it's too tight on her face, and it's just it looks awful. It's so bad. Um, not just it's experimental. Oh jeez, not to say the whole episode is that bad, but I didn't notice any thing about the direction that made me take notice positively um only negatively so mm. i don't 
would not say that Chip did a good job. Mm. No, no, not a Chip Chalmers fan. No, no, no. It, this making this episode look good was Chip's challenge, and he failed. <laughs> um, it's 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 worth noting uh, before we you know jump into the plot that um, this the idea for this episode had been being kicked around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not not necessarily its its final form. That was kind of an amalgamation, as as many episodes are of you know one or two different. Or two or three different scripts, rather. But um, you remember the writers' room had had this concept up on the whiteboard for God, probably years at this point, mm. where um, you know they had just written a single sentence up there that said Patrick's package with you know with a bunch of question marks. I can remember and, they um, never erased it. It was always there in consideration. Yeah, well, you know what? Someone someone drew over it in permanent marker. Ah. Uh. So they couldn't erase it. Yeah, it was and we couldn't permanent. buy another whiteboard. No, because it was our it was our lucky whiteboard. So well, whiteboards but, were new um, technology at the time. They were, yeah, very exciting. Yeah. Would have been a few thousand. Yeah. Just to get a new one. The, uh, the pearly yeah, whites, you know, that, that, that kind of kind of inspired the idea for uh, Picard on a on a, a beach like planet. You know, just getting shots of, you know, the the, the stuff right from the Rysonians. I don't know if that's you know whatever, but the um, Risons uh, maybe <laughs> the Risons of the Sun. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the first introduction of Risa, which Risa, which is a which shows up in DS Nine, of course. I don't know if they actually go to to Risa, but they mention it a lot. Um, I think it, they do. I think they do. I think. Oh no, they do. I, I believe you are right. Um, yeah. Worf and Dax go there alongside Bashir, and there's a terrorist organization that's controlling the weather. I, <laughs> maybe that's the plot. I don't know. But um, <laughs> anyway, just because it happened in TNG, that means it has. that's the only pleasure planet in the galaxy, uh, according to DS9. That's where everyone always goes. Risa. Right. All right. Which so, is odd because, again, as you noted, everyone's just human. Yes, yes. Now, this episode—I want to talk about the start of this episode, where mm. it's Risa, the fish aliens beam in, and they say, "We're looking for Picard," and the computer says, "Picard's not here," and they say, "Oh," and then they leave. And <laughs> now, to some, this scene seems pointless, and to the casual viewer, it is. Um, I remember we introduced this scene because test audiences, when watching the episode, they would turn it off thinking that there was no plot. You know, Picard's just going on vacation. And yeah. we needed this to establish that there was some intrigue going right. to happen later in the episode. Right, right, right. Yeah, that was, uh, it's almost unfortunate, but um, you do kind of have to tailor things to your audience, right? So yes, that was uh, that was our, our kind of... Um, makeshift solution for this episode and boy is it a useless scene otherwise but i i think uh you know moving on from that i kind of like the little opening on the enterprise where picard's all sleepy and you know did you notice anything that from, from that opening enterprise scene uh <laughs> what was i supposed to have noticed 
Anything in the dialogue? Among Us? No. So, um, the dialogue on the bridge in that scene is the dialogue in the second opening song of the Readier Room. Oh my god. Yeah. Wait, which which line is that? Um, Riker says something like everything's everything's good, whatever, your status report. And uh, uh-huh. Picard says, okay, if you need me, I'll be in my ready room. I knew it. Okay, yes. Because, yes, I was watching that and I was like, wait a minute, that sounds very familiar. <laughs> I, I, oh, oh, God, but I, I'm so used to the, the, the first one right. where, he, where he says, in my ready room. So I was like, am I getting it mixed up? Well, we, we reached that episode a couple months ago, maybe? Yeah, 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 we did. Mm. And now we reached this no, one. No, wasn't that season one? That was that was conspiracy. Was it? I think so. No, I think when, when I he, think it was much when later. he has the admiral's message sent to him. Okay, no, it was earlier then because conspiracy is the one where he like kills the guys, right? Conspiracy is the one with um, yeah, with like the the aliens that eat worms. Yeah. So. Oh no, no. So maybe it was that one. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that was the one because he was receiving messages like private messages or whatever. And the computer says, like, uh, you know, security code something, Captain Picard. He's no, like, in my ready room. I think this, yeah. I think this was also season three, that, that um, recording. Conspiracy was season one, but I, I think you're thinking of a different episode. Mm-mm. <laughs> no? I was the one who no, got the I, clip. No, I swear to God. I think I... I swear to God. You, you, but bullshit, you remember where you got that clip from. Oh, well, I remember we had the conversation of, oh, this was... This was the recording used in the opening. Um, we had that conversation way too recently for it to be season one. No, we didn't. Your your sense of time is just <laughs> <It's> dilated. <laughs> oh, uh, oh boy! I, it was something that bothered me in you know the first maybe five ten minutes of of this episode is when Crusher goes into Picard's room and does this like passive aggressive thing. I I didn't read that as passive aggressive. You, I okay. I guess maybe not aggressive per se, but well, it was, it was very. Passive, um, but it, it it was very Reddit, to if, me, if you will. I mean, I buy that, but to me, it it, uh, it implies um, some history of those two, where you know they've had similar conversations, and Crusher knows that just coming out with it isn't really going to yield any results. And uh, I think it's a very autistic way of speaking sure <laughs> uh by the way no fish no fish well that's no the fish. only scene in that room so yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't have a good enough reason to to put the fish in there right we couldn't have the fish living on set mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah so so i guess the whole conceit of this episode is that uh, Picard is tired, and everyone wants him to go on vacation. Yeah, no, I agree with and... you. I thought that was kind of cute. Everyone banding together. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, it was all right. And and you know, Riker, um, being Riker, tells him about the uh, the the planet Risa and how close they are to it. And uh, I, I I enjoyed the the scene in the elevator where Picard preemptively guessed that Riker was into the women on the planet. It's very uh very cute. Yeah, there's multiple times in this episode where Picard is just having none of Riker's shit. 
<laughs> and he, yeah. it it gets to the point where you could feel a real animosity there. A very one-sided animosity. <laughs> From Picard <laughs> to Riker. Like it, it it wasn't oh Riker this that that scamp. It's I'm gonna fucking kill Will. <laughs> uh yeah, and, and and the one thing that stops or that 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 um encourages Picard to go to the to the planet Risa is that the the space station that they will be docking at, uh, apparently Troy's mother, this this may or may not be a lie, is going to be there. No, I, I don't think that's true. I think well, A, I I believe it's Troy's lying pretty obviously, but um Picard knows that. He the reason he decides to go is because everybody is just going to keep hounding him about it. He's like, oh, Troy is lying to me to, to get me to go. Um, Will already talked to me, Crusher. It's like, he, they have that conversation. Is everybody in on this scheme? And um, that's what puts You're reading the into it. I, You're I, reading into it. Well, obviously, but I think it's it's pretty obvious to reach this conclusion. Nah, you're reading into it. You, I, I think you're being kind of autistic here, of just not picking up on obvious social cues. No, you're reading into it. Uh huh. Did you really think that there were um, <laughs> that there were two ensign that didn't know about this <laughs> Picard vacation scheme? Is that no, is, no, is that no? You are well? reading into it. Like this is this is just a silly scene. You're you're just reading into it. What do you? Uh, yeah, it's a silly scene, but it's not. This isn't that intensive. It's not. It's not deep, but it is obvious. No, but it was never meant to be. De- that's the thing. You're you're making it deeper than it was even meant to be. This is like a shade deeper. It's not a stretch. No, it's, no, it, no. But it's it's still too deep. You're insane. You're insane. You really think that Star Trek is is really? Is what? Okay, so Troy tells this lie. And Picard's immediate reaction is, oh, everybody's trying to get me to go on vacation. If he doesn't think it's a lie, how, what is the connection of these two events? Yeah, I mean, I suppose so. Yeah. What you... Fucking hell. Jesus Christ. You're so fucking autistic, dude. It's, you're, you're, you're autistic. Cal- dude, calm down, dude. Holy shit. Dude, dude. I'm just a bigger Trek fan than you. Oh my god. Maybe you should post on Memory Alpha. No, I'm sorry, Memory Beta. <laughs> oh, is that an insult? Maybe, 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 maybe you can maybe you can make an article on Memory Look. Beta about Picard's thought process when when he's sitting on the bridge as Troy's <laughs> telling him about this. I'll post on Memory Alpha. You're more of a Memory Beta guy. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Memory Omega. Memory Sigma. Memory Sigma. Sorry. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um. So, Picard, Riker, Troy, these are the characters. Um, Picard yields, and then he puts on the worst shirt of all time. That wasn't that bad. This half-scalloped number. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what was he thinking in that scene? Was he thinking, I'm going to wear this shirt, this ugly shirt, um, to try to trick everyone? <laughs> Into what? 
That you tell me. You're you're, you're the expert here. I'm the the, the Trek psychologist. I'll tell you what, I have more insight into these yeah, characters yeah, yeah. than Troy ever did. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, 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 this the shirt was. Uh, I don't know. It felt it felt uh, in universe enough. I guess. Here's the thing. Well, it certainly did. It's it didn't feel incongruent, but um, Trek does this so often where. The, they um how to describe this they introduce things in sets where for i'm talking about the books picard has they have to have one real life book and one yes, yes. one <laughs> fake book they can never just have fake books they wait were, uh were there three of them or two i believe it was ulysses and um something like the alternate universe and you or whatever mm. and you know yeah and then there was the fake one huckleberry finn right right um but to me it's it's always so rote you know it's like oh data's talking about painting styles and it's like oh this painting has the it takes inspiration from van gogh and well, and, 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 and also a shades of Gleeblegore from Planet. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the thing too. It's like yes, um, and I, I'm wondering if if the writers did this just because it's like you know any normie could could catch an episode of Track on TV never having watched it. And so when you're you're dealing with scenes like this, you have to introduce the concept of like what these characters are even talking about, and you have to relate it back to you know what does the right. audience know. Because nobody's um, going to so, know what a book is unless you name drop Ulysses. Well, you know, Picard's talking about like, you know, it's 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 ironic because Picard is talking about light reading or whatever. And it's, you know, heavy, heavier text than one would normally think. So, you know, of course, they have to say, here's a book. But, you know, I guess when it comes down to that, yeah, if you're not going to catch that, um, you know, in a fictional context, you haven't read these these real books anyway. Right. Because you're an idiot. And, and the visual, so, I mean, the visuals, they're pretty thick books. They, it gets the point across. They're, they're old, they're like leather bound. Right. And you can just say yeah. something like, um, you know, uh, quantum mechanics of the starship engines, or of the warp engine. Right. And, you know, that's a fake thing, but it, the point is conveyed. that It's, it's conveyed, that yeah. That it's dense. No, I, I 100% agree with you. And, and you know, this has always bothered me. Right. But... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's 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 inescapable. It's the problem. That's how I like um, to think about Trek in general. <laughs> <laughs> was was Voyager the series with the guy in the car? You'll have to be more specific. There's there's, there's a guy there's a guy who's always working on his car. Yeah, I haven't seen that, so it's probably Voyager. It's it's got to be Voyager, right? Yeah, that yeah. wasn't DS Nine. I'll tell you that. Um, tell me there's just a fucking car aboard the Voyager ship and some... Yeah, no, that's that's what it is. And He's what, always working on his like the... antique car. Does he have like overalls and uh like a pinup? <laughs> I, I don't know. I've only this is only hearsay because I never watched Voyager, obviously, but I'm now that I finished DS9, I'm like dangerously close to watching an episode of Voyager, and that I mean you're gonna have to has me on edge at all times. Dude, and, and then you're gonna be watching Enterprise. Good lord. At least that has Scott back. And then, then you're going to be watching uh, Far, Count Far Dracula. 
Uh, what is what is the show with Scott Bakula in it? Is Far Leap? Yeah, something Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. Hoping the next leap will be the leap home. Science fiction in it. You can um, you can watch Enterprise and then just watch the episode where he inhabits the the body of a Down syndrome child. Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Subtle. Oh boy! So, um, Picard goes to Risa, and... and and this this is possibly the stupidest scene I've ever seen in Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, it's just missing um, Picard making a stupid face once mm-hmm. once he gets kissed, like his eyes pop out and go wide. Yeah, you know, he, he, he like <laughs> straight... steam shoots out of his ear. <laughs> yeah, like straightens straightens his fucking spine, pulls back, does full T poses. <laughs> Starts spinning around <laughs> and flies up in the air and like clips through the ceiling. And when she, and when she pulls away, he stammers even more like, Yeah, what the hell was that? That was so stupid, right? And who I kisses, who kisses someone by like you kiss them and then you stare at someone else? Now, here's the thing what did that even accomplish in terms of? of the story like she's trying to avoid that ferengi right um yeah what what is the what the ferengi's like oh she's kissing somebody i can't i can't interrupt her (laughs) (laughs) yeah all it does is inconvenience picard but it's also like yeah why wouldn't the ferengi just be like okay i'm still gonna walk up to you i have a fucking gun (laughs) right right and he's he's not scared of picard in any other scene right so uh it's dumb but it is just it's really dumb. It's the reason is that it introduces Vash as being um, somebody who's up Promiscuous. to something. Well, that too, but I mean, <laughs> it does harken back to the original name of the character, Gash. But we felt that was a little too right. on the nose for a love interest. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's kind of a shame, but uh, you know, I don't think that would have gotten past the censors anyway. That's true. Um, but it, we did have to cut a wonderful line. From from the episode where she introduced herself, she says, "Ah, uh, oh, I'm Gash," and Picard says, "I know," which was a, a pretty humorous moment. <laughs> so they get uh, acquainted, and then just as quickly as she came, she leaves, and Picard is set on That's how it always happens yep set on enjoying his vacation by yeah, know, yeah. reading and being an incel <laughs> and this is uh we we see the the set of um risa yeah which is and fine. uh it's it's populated by uh mostly sexy women but some sexy men w- and... wearing trash bags right right um and so Ira had actually come up with with this idea, um, which you know personally I think is an extremely original idea. It's never been done before. The idea of a pleasure planet. Um, Gene was was so delirious by this point that he had completely forgotten that uh, he had actually come up with this idea first. Hmm. So uh, he, I remember it heaped you know ton of praise on Ira for this. He was he was really into it and. He spent weeks, you know, in pre-production um, petitioning to, and it's so bizarre, uh, petitioning to have as the backdrop for like every scene on this planet, 
just explicit gay sex scenes. Pleasure um, Planet. Pleasure Planet. You know, Picard would be sitting in his chair reading his book. Uh, a man would be getting fucked in the ass right behind him, right? Um, you know, Picard and, and Vash would lay out their little blanket uh-huh. in the desert, and all around them would just be homoerotic encounters pairs of men yeah pairs of men going at it um very loudly um but we uh we did end up having to remind gene that um you know very gently that he he hates gay people i remember his reaction just uh oh oh yeah can't stand those <laughs> well i'm not going to repeat his words exactly but can't stand right, yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. yeah um which is you know again how we ended up with mostly women uh in these scenes we did need um, some men to um you know massage vash right right because yeah no we, we couldn't have any and that's the thing we couldn't have any homosexual encounters right not until gene died and that's how we got um, lesbian Dax on Deep Space Nine. Right, right. Uh, which I'm well acquainted with. Of course. As so, as the Alpha Trek series. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, Picard's reading his book in his old chair. His little... Right. And women keep throwing themselves at him. Yeah, he's, uh, well, I mean, we have to note that he's he's now wearing his little Speedo thing. Yeah, he's wearing a Speedo, he's got an open shirt, we, uh, we see the full brawn of, of he's, he's got a shirt. lot going on. Got a yeah. lot. Yeah, I remember he had to grow out his chest hair just for this episode. Um, like, th- what you see in the final episode is three months of growth. Uh, a little bit of it was donated by Frakes just to really sell the masculine image that we wanted. Yep, but yep. What Patrick, which doesn't have going on, you know, on his head, he's got elsewhere. I'm, um, I'm surprised Frakes would, would donate uh, to make another man look good in, in, you know, any anything from his body. Right. Well, Frakes always had a bit of a Samson situation going on with his chest hair, and it took some k-holing to to get him to agree. But, uh, but he did. Yeah. 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 You know, he, 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 he. he Certainly thought. Well, you know what it is. He in season one, I remember he would. He was always having problems growing it out. I wonder what changed. Perhaps it was the onion bagels. It, it must have been the onion bagels. But yeah, you know, after that point, he he was adamant that it was giving him his strength. Yes. Yes. Um. So yeah, I mean, I don't know how how did they get that off of him? Tweezers, I imagine, but. Picard, Picard, Patrick also took the opportunity to grow out his bush, which didn't mm. end up figuring into the uh, episode, but it certainly figured in the production. <laughs> so, oh, oh, so, so they didn't transplant the hairs from from there onto Frakes' chest. No, it was less of a transplant, more of just gluing. <laughs> Hey, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's movie magic. TV magic. Mm-hmm. Movie and or TV magic. <laughs> Even if you don't see it, it's magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never see, you know, the, the tiger vanish from the cage, but that's still magic. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, I, I mean, how can you how can you argue with that? I I have several continuity issues with the Ferengi in this episode. Okay. Okay. First of all, the Ferengi always pronounce the word human as human, except for this guy. Yep. Second. Mm-hmm. Um, he offers to pay Vash, quote, her weight in gold, even though gold is worthless in the <laughs> galaxy. In fact, in Deep Space Nine, Quark, have it th- thinking that he has just uncovered a score of gold-pressed plus latinum, is dismayed to find out that the latinum has been taken out of the gold. And he says, and I quote, now I just have worthless gold, because it's it's funny, you see, because gold's worth a lot in our in our world. Um, right, right. It's ironic, almost. Yes, yes. So gold is not worth anything, despite what this Ferengi will tell you. Wait, so what about that episode where they're trying to buy the portal? Doesn't uh, doesn't a Ferengi come on board and offer gold? That might also be uh, what. That's probably just a continuity error, right? Yeah. Or not even because that was just so early and. In it, the Ferengi it beca- timeline. It became a continuity error? It got retconned, you might say? Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Retroconned. Retrocontinuity. Errored. Right. What um, does retcon stand for? Retroactively. Conned? I, know, I gotta look this up. What is retcon short for? Uh, retroactive continuity got it okay okay this I mean, ah win <laughs> the term the word retcon itself sounds like a tv trope <laughs> right yeah it does <laughs> like <laughs> like just two complete losers speaking their made-up language together it's like oh yeah i got totally retconned <laughs> <laughs> what is the opposite of um of useful i guess useless that's what tv shows <laughs> is <laughs> uh yeah no it's it's definitely uh, uh yeah i think you know we we were discussing this off mic at some point but it's it's pretty much just a database for autists to teach each other how human interaction works i um putting aside websites that are you know um just outright intentionally disgusting or um uh, made to be nonsensical i think tv tropes is is a bottom five website on the internet at least it's really bad relative to the traffic it receives yeah definitely yeah it's 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 I mean, the user base is like 13-year-olds, so... Right. But just think about the conceit of the website. It's to catalog concepts and ideas that don't actually exist and are only spoken of among its own user base. <laughs> well, not only that, but it's like... You're, you're really just dealing with like basic storytelling concepts. And, and you're kind of mysticizing them. All right, hold on. I we're gonna play a fun game live on the okay. live on the podcast. I'm gonna go to the Star Trek TV tropes page and name some of the tropes that are there, and we'll try to apply them. Yeah, 
Let's see. Uh, okay. You, you, have to, you have to tell me what this trope is talking about. Um, here's one. All genes are codominant. All genes are codominant. So, um, what a child of two races uh, uh, has has a phenotype that reflects both equally. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's good. Smart guy. Let's scroll down. Um. I don't know if that's true though. In Trek. All right. Yeah. How, I mean, how... the, uh, remember Worf's Klingon uh, chick that he bangs? Half Klingon chick. She doesn't look necessarily that human. No, that's true. What about Alexander? Alexander. <laughs> Alright. Magic by any other name. Magic by any other name. Um, okay, wait, wait, wait. It's it's the magic by any other name. The mm, unexplained technology uh, used as a, a, a plot device. No, that's that's a good guess, but this is when a work has I'm reading the page here, has an intangible element that is obviously supposed to be magic but is not explicitly called that. Oh fuck off. <laughs> All right, how about No kidding, a sci-fi show? <laughs> um All right, Minovsky Physics. All right, who is Minovsky? I have no fucking idea. All right, well, I guess I'll give this my best guess. Minovsky physics, uh, it's going to be um, unrealistic physics in space, like it's like space travel physics. I, I'm going to read the first sentence here, and I'm not even sure I get what they're going for. Um, any instance of a fictional subatomic particle, molecule, element, or form of energy which has rigidly adhered to but useful physical properties. Like what? So, I I suppose it's talking about it says subatomic, right? Wait, hold on. This this uh this might make it easier for you to understand. Um, the next sentence. It is essentially a justified, necessary weasel, aiding willing suspension of disbelief by back engineering in explanations for the weird bits. Oh, okay. How that, did we not get that? That cleared up for you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That helps. All right, this is this will be our last one. Um multi-directional barrage. Multi-directional barrage. Well, I, I all I can think of is a, a starship getting attacked, a multi-directional barrage. Um it being attacked from a nondescript angle because it's convenient. I believe I it's supposed to be just shooting, like every, everything at the same time. Okay. You know, for a website that is ostensibly supposed to define its own terms, it's it does a really good. bad job of it. <laughs> you, you don't. You don't want to. You don't want to read about choking the weasel, <laughs> explaining the nasty bits or whatever. It suggests contrasting the multi-directional uh, barrage with an alpha strike. And comparing it to spin attack. <laughs> and then I can click on all of the uh, 
examples of this happening in media. So I click on the anime and manga section. It says, oh, there's a multi-directional barrage in Black Clover. There's a multi-directional barrage in The Last Starfighter. If I go to the live-action film section. Is, uh, is there a multi-directional barrage in, in Nadesco? Uh, there does not appear to be. But oh, I can go to Nadesco and look at all the tropes that are... We should we should we should find the tropes that connect Trek and the Desco. Oh, that's uh, that's a lot. All right, just really quick, some tropes that Nadeshko has are action girl, allegiance affirmation, um, <laughs> an- anachronic anachronic order, um, beam spam, calling your attacks, uh, clue cloud. Cucko Lander and colon cancer. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I see. What is colon cancer? Colon cancer is many works of fiction are named using a title colon subtitle template. However, okay. sometimes the subtitle becomes an important part of the identity, and when a sequel. Uh, is made from that a second subtitle is tacked onto it so it's presumably using a bunch of colons in the title that never happens no but there's a there's a tv tropes page on it <laughs> all right well that, that was a fun diversion i enjoyed that that's yeah a good idea that's um yeah you can always be reminded of how autistic you could have been if things played out differently <laughs> Could have. Could have. So, um, um, so well, we need to talk about uh, Picard's little dick statue. Yeah. The, the thing that invites the Jamaharan. 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 I am not seeking Jamaharan. <laughs> Why did you make him sound like Wilford Brimley? <laughs> 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 J- Jamaharan was a <laughs> Jamaharan was a <laughs> word that I was I regretted spawning. I mean I didn't write it, but I, it's the fact that this episode created it. We, we were involved. Yeah. In any case, uh, Gene used that as a secret code. I remember he ran an ad in the newspaper recruiting girls for Jamaharan, and oh my god, because nobody knew what it was, they didn't take it down. And uh, he just paid to have that up in every every issue. And, you know, girls would be looking for a job. They're like, all right, I'll do this Jamaharon thing. And Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because, you know, you, you read it and you think it's like a silly fantasy thing. And then mm-hmm. and it becomes actually, uh, a yeah. very real uh, experience. Now, it's very similar, the word and the act in in concept they're very similar to umox do you know what umox is is this a deep space nine thing um it might have came from deep space nine but it's it should might have come it might have come might have come but it's uh the might of come but it's um (laughs) (laughs) it's ostensibly a trek lore thing okay so umox is the name of the harangi sexual act where one sensually rubs the ears of another. Oh, sure. Okay, yeah. And uh, it appears that self-umox, auto-umox, is, uh, is also a thing. Auto-umox. 
That's amazing. Auto Umox. <laughs> that sounds like a um I don't know, like a uh like a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy character. <laughs> Auto Umox. <laughs> now there's a TV Tropes page worth investigating. Yeah, you know that's just a um a loaded, Can you imagine loaded can of autism? I bet I bet there's there's a significant number of tropes that were spawned from that, like trope names on yes, that page that were spawned certainly. from that. We're gonna we're gonna do that off mic. Can't wait. That's that's gonna be a, a, a trip. Um, there I, I enjoyed the line where this woman that you hate asks Picard if if he's saving his Jamaharan for someone he loves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is obviously in reference to Riker right and he goes oh, I wouldn't go that far it was pretty funny I thought it was cute <laughs> now there is that um, moment where she is playing with a hover ball and her hover ball drifts too oh close my God. to Picard and yeah. she retrieves it saying I'm sorry I've yet to master the art of the hover ball and <laughs> I I'm not a good enough actor to to read that line as terribly as she did. <laughs> but it was bad. We also have to note that um the effect is god awful. Oh yeah, it's like on a string. It's 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 hanging precariously from a string uh to such a degree that it's just it's flying everywhere. You can see it, why it, the like... card was was annoyed. <laughs> This ball has autism. <laughs> uh, well, no. Yeah. Go on. Oh, oh, yeah. No, no, no. By all means, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say, why does everyone keep asking me about Jamaharun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. So that that happens. I I need to note this line where he says, "You're blocking the suns." <laughs> um, just just so we know that we're on an alien planet. <laughs> yeah. Right, now, <laughs> it's clumsy. It's very clumsy. I love the idea that the suns are just right next to each other, such that it's easy to block them both at once. Right, right, right. right? It's, I mean... it's like there's two suns, but they still function exactly the same as one sun. Don't worry. Right, like col even colloquially, you would just be like, "You're blocking the sun." Right. Like if there were three fucking suns in the sky, and someone was like standing in front of me, casting a shadow on my face, I'd say, "You're blocking the sun." You wouldn't say you're blocking all three of our distant suns. <laughs> you're blocking Sol, Solaris, and Selenium all at the same time. Now, it would be cool if, like, the entire set was extremely well lit <laughs> to account for all the suns. <laughs> and everybody's just got like the and, you know for a, for, blown a, out. for a planet with two suns the risins the risians the risians sure They're are very pale. White. yeah yeah <laughs> how does melanin work on this distant planet the, the the whole episode should have just been barely visible until they got to the cave <laughs> everyone's got like a visor on <laughs> It's 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 completely blown out until Picard puts his sunglasses on. <laughs> Someone arrives the, like, um, oh, here's your complimentary sunglasses. And those first <laughs> few seconds are just intolerably bright. 
See, that would have been artistic. Yeah, that would have been inspired. Maybe, maybe Chip Chalmers would have won something for that. <laughs> uh, so our Ferengi, Sovak. Yeah. Now, you know who he is, right? Uh, in, in the grand scheme of Trek. Is he the guy that plays Rom? Yeah, he is. Nailed it. Nailed it. And I, I he's a very distinct-looking guy. He has this Woody Allen affect, but also like this really scrunched up looking face. Yeah. It's what's funny is on in one episode of DS9, he appears in a dream sequence and he's playing um, a different character. Still a mm-hmm. Ferengi, but a different guy. And and even the way he plays Rom, he his voice, he can do a lot with it, and that sounds very, very distinct. Really? Um, yeah. From from other iterations of his voice. Um, I don't. You haven't watched it, so you don't know. But the way that Rom talks is is cartoonish, um, mm-hmm. very deep, very uh, I don't know, sputtery. But mm-hmm. it, it's very distinct to the point where you would expect that to just be um, some guy's unique voice, and that's just what he sounds like. But no, it's something he turns on and off very, very well. And like for here, he doesn't sound anything like Rom. In this episode, and he's playing a different character, of course, but um, he's got a range. He's got a vocal range. That impresses Interesting. Me. Yeah. Well, I mean, good. That's that's that's. I guess he earned his keep as the uh, Ferengi guy. He did. But uh, yeah, he comes over and um, accosts Picard. He does. And his new girlfriend. Well, just Picard at, at first, and then yeah, both of them, and he's like, "Oh, I knew." I knew you knew each other. <laughs> he does that little squinty face. Yeah, he looks like the um, the Trade Federation guy. <laughs> the Trade Federation guy? You know, they both are like, I don't know, Asian stereotypes. <laughs> he, I did write this in my notes. He does look like someone, and I can't place it. Rom? Yeah, sure. No, I mean, he looks like Rom. No, not Rom. <laughs> but whatever. Um, but quick aside, Rom okay. ends up becoming the leader of the entire Ferengi race. Somehow. And oh, shit. If you ever watch DS9, you'll appreciate how stupid that is. No, I, I mean, I'll... I, the problem is I've been spoiled, and I do know that Rom does eventually become a vacuous spider. Well, it's the journey that that is worth it, you know. These things are, don't mean anything into in and of themselves. It's a great way to describe Star Trek. <laughs> These are the adventures that don't matter at all. <laughs> but you'll spend your life going to conventions devoted to them uh, I got my season one uniform the second generation uniforms you know what uh, uh, speaking of which PAX East is going on right now yeah I know you're local you gonna go and play some tabletop I'm, I'm traveling for business and yes uh, I uh I stood outside for about two hours watching the the PAX clientele walk by. A real uh, rogues gallery 
that clientele. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, what's her name? Vash puts the, the little thing, the chip that, that... The disc. That Sovak, the disc, yeah, that Sovak is looking for. Uh, he, he, she, she slides into Picard's pocket, unbeknownst to him. Oh, hold on. I have to talk about this. Picard's robe, the shawl that he's wearing, with its okay. uneven sides like one pocket is a good six inches up from the other one yeah yeah because you can tell when he puts his hands in his pockets yeah like what <laughs> it, just because it's an alien world doesn't mean everything has to be fucking nonsense look picard's very fashion forward okay oh my god it, the, the i think trek usually does a good job of having different futuristic slash alien wardrobes Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a step too far, and I won't abide by it. Nah, it's pretty bad. I, 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 I was beside myself while watching. This really stuck out to me. How fucking terrible! Well, would you would you clone yourself? Uh yeah. You know, you know how it is. It was actually my mirror universe double who came to visit. <laughs> The, the much no, that's that's the one without a mustache right that's but he's still the much more successful of the two <laughs> instead he's, uh, of, he's it, an upstanding individual he yeah. contributes to his community <laughs> instead of starting a podcast he learned a skill <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so so picard puts his hands in his pockets when he gets back to his hotel, is his uneven pockets, and he finds the disc. Right. And uh, he immediately is able to locate this woman's room somehow, which I, I found that odd. But I think um, that um, all these people are, whether Vash is getting her room broken into, Picard being surprised that there are visitors in his room, everybody has such a again they, they're surprised by these happenings but none of these rooms have doors or locks <laughs> yeah i i always assumed that like what we see is the end of a hallway uh-huh that that you know the door proceeds uh-huh. you know what i mean i suppose but i mean that's that's some pretty high high fantasy stuff <laughs> no 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 you're just you're not seeing the vestibule the gencon if you will oh god <laughs> I will not. If if I was typing that, I would have typed it in kanji, just so you know that I know the word. Right. It's great, um, especially if it's a word that the other person doesn't know, so then they have to bear the indignity of, of asking. Right, right. And then it proves I'm more Japanese than they are. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I I did notice that, but I also kind of, like, I, I literally did just explain it away to myself like that. Like, whatever. Um. I need a yeah, shot so he... of them opening the door or my suspension of disbelief is <laughs> crushed. Look look for the cut content on the Blu-ray. Which I now own. I we know, honey. We know. I'm I'm very excited about it. Are the discs um, still blue? Yeah, they're blue. Okay. Yeah, they blue. Is that pertinent to the amount of data that they store? Like the, the blue Kind of, kind of how the red character. cars go faster. Do blue discs well, yeah, store no, more data? Because, 
Well, no, the, the helpful thing is that some episodes have more data and some have less. I see. This was a less right? data episode. Right. So this wouldn't take up as much space on the disc. <laughs> I see. Oh, Lord. Now, now data lore? That one took, right. like, two discs for one episode. Yeah, no, you have to switch halfway through. Uh, at least on the DVD you did. Very evocative of Metal Gear Solid. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, I remember owning the Titanic on VHS. And, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And it was like a couple cassettes. And that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd ever owned a movie on any media format that required me to switch, um, you know, cassettes or discs or whatever before that. Right. It's like turning over a record. You could kill somebody with the physical media version of titanic you could yeah it was it's so big yeah came in that i, I don't think I, I don't know if vhs tapes are that that uh sturdy <laughs> you're slamming them into someone's head and they don't break you think they would break before the skull yeah i think so there's only one way to find out <laughs> next next time i right, next time in. i get angry i'll uh find a vhs and <laughs> go to town on myself <laughs> to be fair you need two vhs tapes inside a box simulate a the experience box. yeah yeah that's true now where well, am cause, i because you know they, they had their slip covers and then they were both inside a a bigger box and you know that cushions them where am i gonna find two vhs tapes and a cardboard box that's a tall order i guess you're just gonna have to buy the titanic on vhs again the animated one is there an animated Titanic? Yeah. Yeah, there was. Uh, it was all, Titanic 2. It starred all animals, I think. Uh, you know what? The, the, the fucked up thing is I don't even know if you're lying to me right now. I don't think I am. I mean, lying requires <laughs> intent, and I, I, I do not have the intent to lie. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't wait until... My mind is gone, riddled with Alzheimer's, and I, all of my, you know, stupid bullshit it wraps back around to sincere, because that's just the reality, I believe. <laughs> all, all the stuff you've made up in your head, yeah, is just completely real now. Yeah. Um, Alright, anyway, Star Trek, uh, he confronts Vash, says, hey, I have the disc, and, um... She tells him that it at least the location of a what? In uh a thing. A thing, yeah, a thing. Um No, he Which which before, the aliens were looking for. Before this, Picard has a conversation with the aliens, right? They tell him that they're looking for this thing. Oh yeah, sure, sure. It, it, right. That was in his room before he goes to her room. Right. A lot of rooms. Which, you right. know, you might not notice this, but it's actually the same room. We didn't really build <laughs> the same set twice. Um, yeah. Now, Picard is aware of this artifact thing because he's a smart archaeology guy. Um, something Patrick Stewart could never be. And um, it's kind of a MacGuffin, right? It doesn't really figure into the plot other than that people yeah, are looking it's, for it. It's a MacGuffin until you get to the Apocrypha. Oh no. Now, 
it's jumping ahead a little bit. Um, teleporter, teleporter, transporter, code 14. 13? Huh? For, uh, later on in the episode, Picard says, execute teleporter code 14 on my mark. Where he blows the thing up? Yeah. I was like jumping ahead a little bit. This is the end of the episode. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is, I wasn't. Sh I was expecting teleporter code fourteen, transporter code fourteen would be them transporting it away, and making it look <laughs> like an explosion. You would think so, which that's what I thought too. Um, but the implication is that he did just blow it, blow it the fuck up. And it's funny, despite having watched this episode before, <laughs> I I still thought that. <laughs> and then, nope, no, it just blew up. Picard, who agrees that it's a priceless artifact. Right. That he speaks of reverently. Um, with reverence. Just so he, yeah, he, has, uh, he speaks of with Reverend Al Jackson. Right. Right, we he speaks of with the uh, DiCaprio joint, the Reverend. <laughs> well, see, you you're you're you got DiCaprio on the mind today. <laughs> oh, Titanic, yeah. <laughs> I guess I do. Um, Leo, as I like to call him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, now, I know. ironically, he's a Sagittarius. Hmm. They should have called him Sagittarius DiCaprio. <laughs> oh, boy. Paint me like one of your Risa girls. The Titanic was a form of pleasure planet. A primitive form of ple pre pleasure planet. <laughs> Except the pleasure planet doesn't crash into a, a giant ice planet. Yeah, well, they didn't plan on that. That was, that was an accident. You know, yeah, okay. They intended yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An accident. Right. Oh. God. Um the cheese. Have you delved into the 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 the, uh, the Titanic conspiracy? No. It's worth it. Yeah. It's they intended on hitting the iceberg. Or was it they never hit yes. an iceberg and what No 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 no. They they intended on hitting the iceberg and also the the ship, the Titanic, was actually its it, its sister ship, just disguised, and um, it was to kill off like some bankers or something. Ah, what was the name of the sister ship? Tortanic? The Olympia, I think. Ah. <laughs> I see. A real eat the yeah, rich yeah, moment. Like they they both swapped names like twins in a horror series. Right, or uh, the Parent Trap. Or the Parent Trap. Is that what happens in the parent trap? No. Are you sure? Well, I only watched the Lindsay Lohan version because I had a... Well, I'm not going to go there, but... Because um... you had a free night? <laughs> <laughs> I, I only watched the Lindsay Lohan version uh, a year ago. Just because I... You know. Um... No, they 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 meet and they, you know they're like, oh, we're twins. We look exactly the same. We must be twins. Right, right. No, but then they go off with the other's parent. Do they? I think they do. And and the idea is that they're trying to get their parents together. Oh, I thought the entire plot of the parent trap was that they they found out they were twins and then they 
they subject their parents to wacky like pies in the face type yeah stunts as they as they try to force them together oh i think well i mean yeah they're trying to force them together i don't know if they replace each other though now the i always thought the parent trap was when you poked a hole in a condom <laughs> That's, that's a parent trap. <laughs> no, and a parent trap is one that's obvious just that you see coming. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You you were so excited about that. I mean, that was good, but you were so excited about it, you couldn't even get it out. Can you blame me? No, not really. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, it turns out Vash is, well, okay, as she, as she describes herself, is she was an assistant to a professor... Uh, who discovered this artifact, uh, Professor Samuel Estragon, which we must note, of course. Of course. Um, just to pay our pay our respects, um, you know, do our duty to the dead. Um, Samuel Estragon was a, a subtle reference to our second AC's daughter, who had, you know, finally started transitioning during production. Late congratulations. Um, Deleted congratulations. Late congratulations, and, uh, yeah, and, you know, rest in peace. Yes. But... Who knew um, the events that would be set in motion by that? Right. Who could have right. Anyway. She wants to find the artifact and, in her words, donate it to a museum. Right. I trust her. Well, she's sexy, so I like her and I, I'll do anything for her. Which which is it? I found an odd character characterization of Picard in this episode is that he, he kind of... He trusts her a little too quick. His primary motivation of getting it in. Yeah, right? Because <laughs> usually Picard would, would be extremely untrusting, even up to this point. Right? Right. Yeah, I don't so, know. It, it, there's not much development that goes on in endearing her to him. Um... If anything, all she does is annoy him. Right. So all all she has is a carrot on a stick that is, come on a little adventure with me. Right. And I buy Picard's motivation for finding this artifact uh, of doing this archaeology thing. But I don't really get their um, shared affection. No. And it's also presented as Vash having a sincere affection for Picard as well. Where you would think it would have been more of a, um, of a front. Right, yeah, like she's trying to use him. I mean, look at the guy. Well, he, he's a, come on, he's, he's an like three man. years, three times as old as she is. He's an attractive man. You think Patrick Stewart wasn't attractive back then? I, look, I saw him laying it, letting it all lay out on Risa. <laughs> I'm, then I, you know how big it is. I just don't buy him being a sex symbol like patrick stewart again is more attractive when you when there's this cultivated image of him being a cultured refined guy yeah sure sure you you kind of need some time for him to present himself as present his personality to a woman right whereas with this it's more of they both find each other immediately physically attractive. And well, 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 okay, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. She sat there and watched him kind of confront the Ferengi guy. Which is kind of indicative of what his personality is. I suppose. And he was very standoffish with her, which women love. Yeah, gotta, gotta play hard to get. 
Um, right. Yeah, so I, mean, I, I can guess see I, it. I can buy that. Picard. I can buy her, but yeah. not him. Agreed. But Patrick wanted to get it in, so right. And get it in, he does. Now they go on. They go on a little adventure. There's a very stupid confrontation before that. <laughs> um, yeah. The Ferengi. What is his name? Sauron. Sovak. Sovak. I see. Um, he, as they're setting off, he holds them at gunpoint, and <laughs> Picard says, "I thought weapons weren't allowed on Risa." Oh my god. And he says, I'm literally a criminal. Um, and, <laughs> and they just end up punching him out. And then Picard takes the gun and just tosses yep. it into a hedge. Yeah. They like, won't be needing this. That was literally my, my note for that scene. Later, they get held at gunpoint. Weapon would have been useful. But the Ferengi returns with an even larger gun. And... Yeah, he's got like an assault rifle now. It's it, does nobody is there no security on Risa? They just it's good. It's the honor system. You don't bring in a gun. <laughs> well, what are they gonna do? It's just a bunch of naked women. Don't don't make me. I, I don't distract me with imagining the answer to that question. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. They they throw the gun into the bush and then. Um... It's it's funny because not like the episode is almost over by this point, really, right? Which is bizarre because the the, the little journey hasn't started yet. But they uh, they they walk for a little while and they end up in like a cave or something, or is it just supposed to be the desert at night? I'm not really sure. Um, there's a question. I'm thinking. I believe it's a cave. I believe they're in a cave system. Okay. 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 So they're in a cave. Right. And what is this like little bedspread? What is this? Yeah, it's ridic- It's just so they can have a quote fighting over the blanket moment. Is that a trope? <laughs> is that a TV trope? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this this show has big fighting over the blanket vibes. <laughs> it probably is. You know, uh, you know but yeah, there's oh, what's what's an example of this trope? Oh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. In the episode Captain's Holiday, Vash and Captain Jean-Luc Picard fight over the blanket inside of the caves of Risa. And that's it. Someone took the time to write that out. <laughs> they, they have a real hiding the wombat moment. <laughs> a real big-lipped alligator moment. <laughs> uh, but it is, it is stupid. I, I think the tone of this episode at this point and several other points is very sitcommy. With um, yeah, it's very yeah. too cute. Well, and, and and that's the thing. Um, and I I said this earlier, but Jennifer is Vash is is she overacts to such a. She doesn't come off as a bad actress, but it feels like she was directed almost to overact. She 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 does. That's exact. That's. Such a good description. She comes off as a sitcom character, like 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 Jerry Seinfeld's girlfriend for the episode. She reminds me of Aunt Becky from Full House. You ever watch Full House? <laughs> yes, actually, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I I was about to chastise you for such a ridiculous reference, but yes, I I, I agree. She does come off like that. Very Becky-ish. <laughs> guy who's only seen Full House getting big Aunt Becky vibes from <laughs> <laughs> <G-O-G>. 
<laughs> the only woman you've ever seen. <laughs> the most disturbing part of this scene is that Patrick doesn't seem to know how to make out. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Yes. Were, were you as disturbed as I was? I wasn't disturbed, but I did get the same feeling. It was very, like, he was, like, chomping on her. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to think. There's been another notable example of, um... It's I, it's like the 1940s movie Kiss. You know what I'm talking about? You ever get this vibe? You watch, like, a noir no. film from, you know, very long time ago. Like, um... What was the name of that guy? He was in all the noir movies. Um, actor. Uh... It was Hugh Henry something, whatever. Um, Maltese Falcon guy. Whenever there's a kiss in a war film, it's always like very unnatural. They like pull each other together very quickly. Their their mouths just like suction cup onto each other, and there's no movement or anything. Just very flat, bam, and they hold that position without moving for a good 30 seconds, and then they thrust each other away. Yeah. Well, this is better than what happened here. Yeah, but... I mean, you know, you know, when you're going in for, like, a, for like a, like a real kiss, mm -hmm. there's, there is a lack of movement for, like, a good few seconds. Yes, but it, it evolves, you know? Um, it, it, there's a progression to a kiss. It, it, there's, like, waves, you know, like, it goes up and down, and... Away, yeah, no, but but, but okay, okay. You're when you're really going in, you go in. There's movement. You stop for a few seconds. You move again. Then you stop for a few seconds. Right. When I, when I say movement, I don't just mean the bodies, but like the mouths. You know. There's... That's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. There, there's there's not external movement all the time. You're not like chomping on her. Not. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it shouldn't be a consistent like you're eating, right? But it also right. isn't. The stagnant nothing. I guess it's not like static, but right. I, there's a is a middle ground that that a real kiss has that is not present here. It's not present in the other example I cited. Yeah. Well, I mean, see, like, yeah, well, no, what, here, here, this is this is like an eating ass technique. How about after the show we can? Uh, is that a TV trope? <laughs> the eating ass technique. <laughs> after the show we can show each other what we mean with uh demonstrations <laughs> yeah sure sure of course <laughs> especially the eating ass part yeah now you know me i've never been involved in ass eating one way or another it's more of your ball game but um yeah yeah every now and then so you know you make mistakes the pudding zone <laughs> big old mud pie it's, a, it's always the hot ones that don't know how to wipe Why'd you say that? <laughs> just, I, just so you can imagine what Freak's asshole was like. I like the idea of somebody who's never eaten ass before, like, being enthusiastic about it, and they're like, this, this tastes like shit. And it's like, yeah, you signed up to eat ass. <laughs> just incredulous. The audacity that their ass tastes like shit. <laughs> he turns her over. This tastes like shit. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my Which God. I guarantee has happened actually in real life. Oh, that is an interaction that's actually happened. <laughs> a tale as old as time. How many times does that must must have played out? Uh, oh. The same drama. The players are different, but the drama is the same. <laughs> so they, they they make their way into the site of the artifact. Uh, they start digging, and there's no room on this set to dig. Right, which is amazing. And, uh, they're um, kind of faking digging, and and the the shot is positioned in such a way that you can't tell where their shovel is meeting the the ground. Pay dirt. The the aliens beam in, and stand there like you know like Molly Shannon in one episode of Seinfeld. Uh, the the woman who didn't move her arms when she walked. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when the the Ferengi comes in, they ostensibly being security officers do nothing to interrupt the scene. Right? They just let everyone be held at gunpoint. Right. Presumably, if this plays out the way it's looking to, the Ferengi they dig it up. Frankie steals the artifact, and what are they going to do about it? You know? They... Mm -hmm. I think they show a gun later in the episode, but they might just get shot. It's just very strange. And you have this this three-pronged scene of them watching on one side, kind of, you know, being... What's, what? How do I put this? Being cuckolded by the Ferengi. For <laughs> <laughs> having to watch him uh, hold up these two as they right. dig. And uh, eventually, Patrick just says, you know what? I'm done digging. And uh, Vash says, <laughs> I'm also done. And the Ferengi says, well, all right, you're free to go. I'm going to dig. Just very bizarre. He says a lot more flustered. Right. But you would think that he would use his weapon to coerce them into doing the digging for him, as he had been doing up till that point. I guess once they stopped consenting, he uh, it went against his moral code. Right, right, yeah, yeah. He he didn't want to get rapey. Right, and um, yeah, that bizarre line of events all plays out, and they're just free to go. The next scene is they just arrive back at the resort. Yep, yep. I very liked, flaccid. I liked the cave set, flaccid of a scene as it led to. Did you? Yeah, I did. You just like okay. it? Okay. I'm not really. I'm never really a big fan of caves. I'm just a big fan of cutting rocks out of styrofoam. There's an art to it for sure. Yeah, spray paint. Just visually, I'm never really into it. You're gonna hate the episode of Wesley Crusher's last mission with the Enterprise. I'm well aware. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, then what happens after this? Picard uh, shows that he had outfoxed um, Vash all the fox. along. Yeah, he outfoxed the fox and says, what What did you really do with the artifact? It was never in that mm. cave. I just agreed to go along anyway. And, um, you know, whatever. And she just gives it to him. It's like, oh, I hid it in this sex totem. And she, she, hid it, she hid it in a, a horgon. Right. In plain sight. Hiding in plain sight. And Picard uh, says, I'm gonna you know, blow this thing the fuck up. Transporter code 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's faced with a, an actually interesting moral dilemma. Is he to trust the aliens or not? Now, I thought Picard came across as a little dumb here. 
where the idea yeah. that they were deceiving him had never crossed his mind. 100%. And he I says, totally agree with that. Uh, I, I guess you should show me proof. That sounds <laughs> right. Well, he had to have the woman tell him what to do. Right. And it's not even presented as him being outsmarted. It's more of like, this is the obvious thing and you didn't think about it. Vash is just saying, hey, wait, what makes you think they're telling the truth? And Christ, oh my god. <laughs> He's like, duh, 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 oh. oh shit. They could be lying to me. Well, how do I know you're not lying? And then he just blows it up anyway. And then they say, huh, all according to Keikaku. Right. Um, and I Was that what they were trying to do? To make Picard fulfill his role of destroying it? Yeah. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Which, which, now that we've come to this point... Uh, sheds sheds a different light on the the line where he says that they'll be repeating this again. Right. Just is that what it is? A a a time loop? Is it, it is be. it not linear? Like, oh, it's so weird. It's stupid because <laughs> they they've achieved their goal. Right. And and they they say it in such a sinister way too. Right, you've achieved your role in the prophecy. No, no. It, it almost makes them seem evil. I don't get it. I don't get them. I don't get this. I don't get anything. Um, they, they, they should have, when they first appeared, they should have looked at the screen and announced, we are the good guys. Or, conversely, we are the bad guys. But right. just, just plant your flag, you know? Yeah. And then uh, Picard goes back to the Enterprise and Riker... I think Riker's there, and he's he grins at him. He does his little eye thing. All right. <laughs> I fucking hate, fucking hate Jonathan Frakes. Well, um, Vash is gonna be back, which is yeah, great. alongside Q. Yeah, that's right. Um, she appears in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I, I think personally, I think she's very attractive. Well, I mean, that's what, that's her primary role. Yeah. I mean, we don't want we, Picard getting it in with someone ugly. We can't self-insert as that. Yeah, I don't there's something about her though that that annoys it annoys me that I Let me I can't travel back in time and and what? And and assume the role of Picard. <laughs> Let me tell no, you. No, assume something. the role of her. Let me tell you. Something. What really annoys me is that when she puts her hair back in ponytail, it looks awful. Like, I've never Does seen it? a ponytail look that bad. Really? I didn't notice that. Yeah. Her hair's got, like, too much volume. It kind of actually looks like Dax's on <laughs> Deep Space I have Deep Space Nine brain rot. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> I can't get over this. Um, and uh, her hair and Dax's hair also look fucking awful. And it's something like the amount of volume in the hair that when you tie it back, it, like, compounds on itself and sticks up a lot. It's really floofy. And uh, it just looks like shit. A floofer dooper doo. <laughs> yeah. A little floofer boofer. Yeah. So what did you think overall? Um. Yeah. No. I, I. I really think that Jennifer is really attractive. Um. How many saucer steps would you give her? Three and a half. Out of four. Out of five. She looks like the kind of girl that I would have inappropriate relations with at work. Oh, that's very evocative. But she does, though. Doesn't well, she? She looks like a. Being attractive? 
Well, well, yeah, but like, like she's like just attractive enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see. I, I'm there with you, three and a half. Um. I can't... Anyway, where are we? What? Okay, sorry. What? I think we're at the end of the episode, right? We're done. Are we? Um. I mean, to go back. Picard says, "I knew about your plan." The aliens come. They blow up the thing. They go back. Riker's grinning. Like, yeah. Okay. Here's 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 what I was kind of weirded out about he blows up this thing that she's been searching for for five years and she's just okay with it she's yeah he blows up right in front of her and she's like will i ever see you again <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah incredible so i guess it's time to give a sauce recept to the episode huh yeah you go first uh, flat 50% two and a half. Yeah. Oh, God. Two and a half feels low, but three feels high, so. Yeah, I'll, I'll round down. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, two and a half it is. All right. Um. You got any? It's funny, because my feelings did not change at all throughout this entire talk. It's still No, not at flaccid. all. Because, I mean, it was a flaccid episode. All right. <laughs> with like everything except Picard, <laughs> was blasted throughout this episode. There, there, there were some highs. There were some highs, and there were lows. But I mean, like, like we said, Jennifer was attractive, right? Um, Picard had some funny lines. We had, we had the the first appearance of uh, Max as, as a Ferengi, and um, that's pretty much it. Oh, and you liked the cave? I did like the cave. I like the the little hotel sets. I, I enjoyed those. Yeah, they were cool. They they re uh, appear in one episode where Riker. It's the one with the game that like mind controls people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Riker at the beginning of the episode is having sex. <gasps> oh yes, that's right. Yes, and it's the same set. No. Yeah. Oh my god. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to I didn't notice that. Yeah. Interesting. Well that's better trivia than I could ever provide. <laughs> you got a question though? Yeah, that was my question. Ah, no, I'm kidding. Right um, having uh, sex. That's my answer. <laughs> so uh your 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 favorite actress this episode. The hoverball? Yeah, hoverball girl. She she appears in Deep Space Nine. Did you know that? Oh shit. No, I didn't. Um, she appears... Okay, the question is, what episode does she appear in? It's, it's the 30th anniversary episode. Uh, wait, 30... What? It's the, it's, it's the 30th anniversary of Star Trek. It's the episode marking the 30th anniversary of Star Trek. It's the Deep Space Nine Oh, episode. you know, I think I saw... Like, I was reading the Wikipedia article on, the, on this episode, and I saw that headline. That it it's was... it's definitely an episode that's that's memorable to a degree. Yeah. It's not. It's not the one where they play baseball, is it? No, well, it's probably not. It's something like "Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite." It's dumb. Um. <laughs> yeah. God, it's think all... think think thir- think anniversaries. What 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 do you do on anniversaries? It's, it's you the, think is it the triple? It is. Trials and Tribulations. It's Trials and Tribulations. She plays Watley. Watley. I don't know. Uh, blue. 
Just some old... Is, is, is that the one that flirts with Bashir? I don't know. Uh, look, this one, this one, this one. All right, let me, let me look at this. Yes, yes. So what happens is she goes, she's in the elevator, see her using it, and um, it's pretty, it's, it's somewhat humorous. Um, I believe the setup is O'Brien and Bashir are in the elevator and they're like, uh, take me to deck three or whatever, just saying it out loud. And the thing doesn't mm. move and they don't know how to work the elevator. Right. And they're like, what the, is the elevator fucking broken? And then she walks in and grabs the handle, which is what you need to do to get it to listen to you. And right. um, they're like, ah, I see. Anyway, her and Bashir make sex eyes at each other. And um, she says, oh, you know, my name's such and such. Come meet me sometime. And uh, he's like, wait, that, that was my great, that was my grandmother's maiden name or whatever. Oh, no. Yeah. The back to the future situation. Right. And Bashir's like, oh, what if I have to have sex with her to spawn my family? And O'Brien says, shut the fuck up. It's not part of the episode. And they just, and they just leave it. <laughs> Which was actually pretty funny. Dude, what, do I, what if I have to have sex with my grandmother? Ha ha. What if I can't help it? What, what if it was meant to be? Ha ha. Fun times. Good episode. Uh, trials and tribulations. Um, I'm sure. People have a lot of affinity for that. I now I don't have any nostalgia for the original series, so that part of it was lost on me. But even outside of that, the production of it's very cute. It, how it looks very old timey. Right. No, I'm excited to get to that. Yeah. Um. In well, ten years. In ten years. Well, I guess that'll be it for this episode of the Readier Room. I suppose so. Yeah. I um, want to give a shout out to uh, our sponsors, Denny's, some of the Grand Slam, Pet Boys, one of the five minute oil change. Um, also, uh, Gaff Underwear, new sponsor. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Appreciate all of them. You can use checkout code Readier at any of these establishments for 15% off. And we will see you again next week with another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. We're rapidly approaching um, people's favorite episode best of both worlds will be there in a couple of mm -hmm. weeks um but until then i bid you all a very pleasant stay ready the troublesome little man child i stand before you defrocked condemned to be a member of this lowest of species thank you answer engage inside the bottle.